0: Welcome to another episode of On Your Choices, On Your Life. And today we are speaking with Annette Presley. Annette is a registered and licensed dietitian, certified functional nutritionist, and fertility nutritionist specialist. This conversation is so powerful if you are looking for some very simple tips of what you can do to improve your health. And they are not the things that are talked about or regularly talked about on the news and social media and the things that you hear. This conversation, I took notes because there were so many things that Annette said that really hit home for me. So she really does help people who are working to conceive, but her work really dives so much deeper than even just that. So I wanted to share this. Annette Presley is a registered dietitian of over 28 years, certified functional nutritionist, author and creator of the Mommy Maker Method. After discovering that the diet advice she learned as a dietitian was actually contributing to chronic diseases, Annette changed course to learn about functional nutrition and nutrigenomics, how nutrition impacts genetic expression. Now, Annette helps women literally manipulate their genes so they can say goodbye to infertility struggles and hello to being a mom. I love this conversation and there's so many things that are applicable, even if you're like me and you're past the stage of having kids, there are so many things that you can take and apply into your daily life to improve your health. So I know you're going to love this episode. Hello, Annette. Welcome to the show today. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Can you tell people where you are from?
1: I am from Arlington, Texas.
0: Nice. Have you always lived there?
1: No, I actually grew up in Pasadena, California. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's why fun. I don't have a Texan accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Are you a reader? And if you are, do you have a book that has been impactful for you?
1: I am a reader and probably my favorite all-time book are actually the Harry Potter book. <gasps> Seriously, it's seriously like an absolute favorite. Yeah, I've read the series like five times, and mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll read it again. But there are so many nuggets in those books; it's just unbelievable.
0: Okay, so the whole this whole show could go another way right now. <laughs> I was cooking on the weekend and my husband walks in. he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Harry Potter while I'm cooking. like <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. I, I love her story. I think JK Rowling's story of resilience is probably one of my favorite stories. Yeah.
1: I think so too. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. There's so many nuggets and lessons in them. Yes, absolutely. Can you share with us something that like what lights you up and what drives you?
1: I think really freedom lights me up. Mm-hmm. I love it. What that mean to you, what does freedom mean? Freedom to me means the ability to do the things that I want to do, to be with the people that I want to be with, um, to have the freedom to move about and, uh, you know, buy things. (laughs) And I mean, just freedom pretty much for every aspect of my life. So what drives me right now is making sure that that my children have the ability to, to have the freedom that I did growing up.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. So many people talk about financial freedom. And I I love what you just said there in the sense because time freedom and choice freedom is so, so important. Sure, finances can open doors for possibilities, but we all know entrepreneurs who are working to the bone, they might have financial freedom, but I wouldn't call it free. They're not free. Right. Yeah. Completely understand. Is that how you have always viewed? like Has that level of freedom been always important to you or did that come through a learning process or a point in your
1: life? I think freedom has always been important to me, but it really, something woke up in me when COVID hit. And when I just saw what was going on, I mean, I've been in the health space for 30 years, so I could read the science myself and I could see that we were not being told the truth. And then, you know, everything shut down and even churches shut down. And I'm just like, this is America. What are we doing? So, um,
0: Yeah, that this conversation could go a whole lot of other ways. We're in Canada right now. And I don't know if you've followed. Our- oh,
1: yes. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's it's definitely it's another whole episode on its own. But it is uh, every it rules change, 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 change. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going. So we're in a space right now of mandates. And and it's it's just a very it's a time I never thought I would see.
1: I never thought I would, I was. I especially never thought I would see this in America, but we're, I'm pretty convinced that if America can get back to freedom, the rest of the world will, we're rooting for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Absolutely. So you've spent 30 years in the healthcare field. Yes. Yeah. In what capacity?
1: Registered dietitian. Did you like
0: it? Did you enjoy it? What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So I actually have loved all of my jobs as a dietitian. Except the one I had in the nursing home, the yeah. rules for that are just—they're—they're they're not freeing. So. No, no.
0: My mother-in-law is in <laughs> one right now, and she is end-stage Alzheimer's.
1: All my like really clinical jobs in the hospital and stuff—I've enjoyed. The problem was that halfway through my time as a dietitian, I found out that I pretty much have a license to kill. <laughs> so, okay, you definitely yeah. <laughs> have
0: to explain what that means.
1: So the advice I'm supposed to give out as a dietitian actually causes chronic disease and obesity.
0: Okay. So we're going to unpack this. So the advice as a registered dietitian that you have given
1: literally Causes causes chronic disease and obesity.
0: Oh, I actually, um, it's interesting because I know we scheduled this conversation a long time ago, but I I really think it's very timely for Mm -hmm. right now because we're in this space where yes, we have solutions and there are solutions. Like if we want to say the the vaccines as a solution, but there's also a lot of risk factors that are not being talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, So I'm glad you're here to talk about this. So talk to us about some of the key lessons that you found you were practicing sharing that were leading to issues with chronic disease and health.
1: Yeah. So mostly the information that we get on saturated fat and cholesterol. Okay. Or fat in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had always been taught that saturated fat and cholesterol in the diet raise blood cholesterol and that causes heart disease and diabetes and all kinds of problems. And so one day I was actually just preparing to give a talk on fat at a local health food store and decided I would brush up on some fat chemistry. Amazon recommended this book, Know Your Fats by Mary Ennig. She's a PhD in biochemistry and an expert on fat metabolism. And so I read the book and she contradicted everything I had ever been taught about fat. Um, And so In our training, we're actually trained to automatically dismiss anything that goes against our training. But with her, I could not dismiss her as a quack because I knew she was right about trans fats. So I had already done the study on that and and knew she was right. And so I thought, well, she's clearly not a quack. She's right about trans fats. So she might be right about everything else. So I need to find out. So I just spent about a year going through all the science from like the early 1900s to the present. We don't have any science to support this theory that saturated fat and cholesterol cause heart disease. There's, there's nothing in the literature that supports that. I mean, unless you call Ansel Key's seven countries study support, where he took seven countries plotted on a graph, the amount of fat available for consumption in those countries, and then the number of deaths from heart disease. And he showed that the more fat available, the more heart disease, there were 22 countries available. And so if you put all 22 countries on his graph, there's no line, there's no connection. He had picked a different set of seven countries. He could have shown the exact opposite. So if you call that kind of science proof then, but that's pretty much all we have. So
0: can you, for the listeners explain what a saturated fat is?
1: Yeah. So fats are made of carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. And so it's carbon atoms with hydrogen atoms attached to it. So a saturated fat has all of the carbons hydrated with hydrogen. And so in a polyunsaturated fat or a monounsaturated fat, we have what's called double bonds in those structures. So the monos have one bond, the polys have two or more. And so at each of these double bond sites that connect carbon to carbon, there's two hydrogens instead of four binding to those carbons. That link there is a very unstable bond. The double bonds are more unstable. You'd think they'd be stronger, right? Because there's two bonds, but but they're not. They're not, they're actually more unstable. And so I kind of liken a a double bond to a kick me sign, The kick me sign in high school and you walk down the hall and everyone starts kicking you and you're like, what's going on? So the double bond is like a kick me sign. It's an invitation to do damage to your body. And so the saturated fats don't have any of these double bonds. They have the very sturdy single bonds that are very hard to go rancid. And it's these rancid fats that really cause a lot of inflammation in the body.
0: Can you give an example, food-wise, something people can relate to of what a rancid fat is?
1: Yeah. So basically, if you eat canola oil, and I know canola is like a big Canadian crop, it's probably rancid by the time you buy it on the shelf. It's yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. It
0: is. It's, it's in all recipes. It's yep. in all recipes, right? It's definitely. Mm-hmm. I am like the queen. Sorry, to, I just want to say I'm the queen of juggling a recipe and making it different, making it mm-hmm. better, even to the point where like my kids are full grown. They'll really be like, "Oh, who made the brownies?" And somebody <laughs> "Rum did," and they're like, "Oh, so they're not real brownies then." <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> He's always, always mimicking a recipe because I do, I try and remove the canola if I can, but it's in a, it's in all recipes. Okay. So great. Yeah. Great yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So the canola oils, we we eat a lot of it here in the U S too, because we're told it's healthy, mm-hmm. but it has at least two double bonds and it's very unstable and plus, plus the processing of most of these oils, um, makes them go rancid even further. So heat, like you heat any of these oils, you're going to get rancid fats. Wow.
0: So, okay. So now you, you come to a space where, where was the point where you recognize that, wait, everything that I'm learning or that I'm teaching is contributing to chronic disease. And I just, can I just interrupt for one second there, Mm -hmm. share how, I know how so many regulated professionals work. I was in a regulated professional for years. It's like what we learned 30 years ago is what we're going to keep talking about today. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but but we've actually learned all these new things that actually make more sense. No, no, this is what we do. And this is what we stay with. And unfortunately, with the, as science continues to go and, and grow, which it should, then we do have to adapt and change. So I just want to know, where was that turning point for you that you had the aha moment to recognize that, wait, the information I'm giving a is not probably accurate or not helping people. And it also took it one step further to what you are doing now. Right. So I'm just love right. to unpack that a little bit more
1: when I discovered this, I was really angry. That was my first reaction because I had spent 14 years telling people how to die essentially. And which is not why I got into this profession. And, um, and so my, my first response honestly was to quit. I just wanted to be done with nutrition. Um, I figured it was pointless. So why bother Mm -hmm. for me? Prayer is really important. And I really felt that God told me I didn't show you this so you could quit. You need to tell the truth. So that's when I decided, okay, knowing full well that I would have a very hard time getting a job, it it would change everything. And I would probably have to defend my credentials and I might lose them, but I decided, you know, people deserve to know the truth. They deserve the information they need to be truly healthy. I got away with it for three years.
0: You say you got away with it for three years, you were changing what you were teaching, you yes. were sharing new information, and you quote unquote, got away with it for three years. What happened when you didn't get away with it? What What happened then?
1: Yeah, so the local dietetic association filed a complaint against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all their board members signed it. They claimed I violated three ethics and I can never remember what they are. I did not violate any of the ethics. The underlying reason was because I was telling people to eat butter instead of margarine <laughs> was the reason for the complaint. Um,
0: for yeah, so I'm laughing. I know, I know. <laughs> Have you ever seen the, we do it with our kids and we did it when they were younger. Have you ever seen the experiment where you put like margarine out in the summertime on the deck yeah. and you put butter beside it? If you, if you're a listener and you've never done this, it's actually will make you never want to eat margarine again. Cause you put it out there and no bugs touch it. No yeah, bugs touch it whatsoever. They don't even go near it. Butter is full of it, which is like, it's a food substance.
1: I mean, if bugs will, won't even eat it, why would we, <laughs> you know? True. I mean, that it's just, it's crazy. So It was a very interesting experience because every letter that uh, my organization sent to me treated me like I was a five-year-old. They would quote some nameless expert. And the only thing the expert did was attack me personally. So I was accused of asking my own questions instead of relying on the questions that had already been asked and answered. And, And I'm thinking, how is that science? I mean, Science is all about asking questions and challenging answers. And if we can't do that, then it's a religion. It's not science.
0: I'm sure they probably weren't very open to that kind of, an, <laughs> no. But it's, but it's, it's interesting. That's a, that's an incredibly interesting perspective.
1: And so they wanted me to write a paper on LDL cholesterol and explain why I was going to go back to recommending vegetable oils. Since I had already gone through the science, I knew what the science had to say about all that. And there was no way I was going to go back. So instead I wrote a paper going through the science. And showing them that we had no scientific support for our views on saturated fat and cholesterol. And I was going to go with the science because my ethics dictate that I do that. And I told them, if you can show me where I'm wrong in my assessment of the science, then I will gladly change my views because I don't really care which way is right. I just want to give good information to people. And so they couldn't, they never even tried to go with the science at all. And so they let me keep my credentials but i had to use a disclaimer and are you sitting down and that presley dispenses advice on fat that is not sponsored or approved recommended or endorsed by the fda the usda the nih or the and and i mean it was hilarious yeah so i had to use a disclaimer to tell the truth
0: so as you and, and obviously it didn't stop you you kept no. yeah. we kept going and i think that's the thing is is that when you come to a space that your mission is greater than the need for approval Mm. from others. You get to a space. I remember being in that space. It's like, I I don't care who doesn't agree with me anymore because I need to share it. And it's, it's it's tricky. So you also then um, explain where this started to correlate with
1: pregnancy and IVF. Yeah. So this kind of led me down the path of functional nutrition, which is like a whole new world because we learned things we never learned in dietetic school. And so I learned all about nutrients and the structure and function of the body and how nutrients affect that. And so I, I went down that functional path. And one day I was at church and God told me to go tell this girl, Sharon, I could help her get pregnant. I didn't know her very well. I had no idea if she was even trying to get pregnant. So my first response was, who does that? That's weird. So I put it off for a few weeks, but every week I'd get the same message. So I finally got the courage to go up and and tell her, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant and it's not working, I can help you. And so it turned out she had been trying for almost two years. So I tweaked a few things in her diet, had her take a few supplements and she was pregnant in three months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that is the power of nutrition
0: that's the power of nutrition and you're diving into like the healing power of nutrition
1: Mm -hmm. that I think is really, that is really important. Yeah. And yeah, you just give the body the nutrients it needs and things change. How do we know what it needs? I know that's a massive question,
0: but how say for an average lay person, like just general person right now listening, I've been so ingrained in my nutrition and I've been so I'm picky. I'm super picky and how I eat and what I eat. So I know what makes me feel good and what doesn't like, I'm like, nope, that's not, that doesn't feel good at all. So a lot of times that's my gauge, not calories, not anything Mm -hmm. else. Like what makes my body feel good and makes it feel the best. But I'm just curious from your perspective, your expertise, if you could give some advice to an average person listening right here, how do you know if your nutrition is meeting your best needs or if how it's helping your health?
1: Yeah. So actually what you do is excellent. So you that's my first piece of advice is pay attention to your body and how you feel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because your friend did some diet and it worked for them, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And I see a lot of people, especially going vegan, and they're suffering horribly with all kinds of health issues, but they won't quit. And it's like, just look, maybe that's not the right diet for you. And I do DNA testing. And for, for a lot of people, it isn't the right diet based on your genetics but if you're not feeling good, if, if you've got joint pain, if you're tired all the time, um, you know, your bowels aren't working properly, then something's wrong and something's not working for you. And so that's when you need to really evaluate and say, well, maybe this diet isn't the best thing for me, Mm -hmm. but that's the number one is how it feels.
0: Yeah. And, And I actually Maybe this is a big generalization, but I often wonder, my husband, and I talk about it all the time because he's like, I mean, of course we all have our little things,
1: so we're not perfect by any means,
0: but we talk about all the times that I wonder if how many people have never felt good. So they don't even know the difference.
1: Yes. And I think a lot of that happens. And so people, and so like um, Sharon, she had endometriosis within a month. She's felt different in her body and she'd never felt so good. And they don't know because they live with that. They just think that's normal, but pain and suffering, it's not normal.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're also hitting on it. I'm, I'm just going to share with you vulnerably because that's it. Like I am a probably more than 20, but 20 years diagnosed struggling with endometriosis. And when, especially down that path with endometriosis, it is something that you kind of looked at as crazy a lot and mm-hmm. seen that way. And it's just pain. You suck it up and you keep moving. And I'm like, no, I don't think this is normal pain. Like my other friends aren't having periods that are lasting 20 days. This does not feel right. Yeah. And so I appreciate you talking about that because I think that that is an interesting way to help heal that. And it's again, as far as taking it to helping them to get pregnant or decreasing the need for IVF. Is right.
1: that fair? Is that a fair? Yes. yeah? Yes. I who
0: you work with primarily now women who are looking to get pregnant, to heal themselves, or maybe women who have been going down the path of IVF.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Anyone who's probably at the point of IVF is the next step or they've had IVF and it hasn't worked. Those are probably my most common clients right now. Wow. And how did they find you?
0: This is very new and I yes. love, I lo- no, I love <laughs> it because it's not talked about a lot. It's not. So I appreciate what you're
1: doing. I go on podcasts and have social media. And basically I'm just trying to do everything I can to be out there visible so people can find me because they're not going to find this in a traditional okay. doctor's office. And even, you know, if you go to a dietitian, you're not going to find it. If you go to traditional healthcare providers, this is just not their mindset. No,
0: it's a very, and I mean, even when you take it as far as um, talking about endometriosis, a lot of the path of dealing with endometriosis is hormones. As somebody who has been like over inundated with hormones for years, it only grows back faster. It, it's like literally is a fuel. It's like a gas. My one doctor finally said, No, we can't we have to stop all this. This is a gas. It's like growing faster than we can stop it right now. And so there's an example of older medicine being the guide, as we start to learn more and know more,
1: we can't use that as the only guide. Right. Yeah. And and that's the problem. Endometriosis, you know, they say has no cure and all they do is surgery and drugs and those are band-aids. So they yep. might make you feel good for a little bit, but they're going to make you feel worse years or months or however. And what we really need to do is ask why. Is your endometrium acting up like this? Mm-hmm. Because that's not normal. And the body wants to be in health. I that's I truly believe that the body wants to be in health. And so anytime we have these things crop up, the body is telling us something's out of whack, you need to fix it. And so what well, like with endo, fat-soluble vitamins are critical. And you know, we're on a low-fat diet. So we're not getting those vitamins. And iodine mm-hmm. is a mineral that nobody talks about, but It actually is involved with endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibroids, cysts, breast cancer, anything reproductive is going to involve iodine and thyroid even is due to iodine deficiency. And so we have a lot of iodine deficiency that goes undiagnosed because nobody tests for it. Mm -hmm. And it's like a really easy thing to fix.
0: Wow. Wow. This is really fascinating. It's different because a different perspective and story coming on this podcast. So I appreciate you sharing this knowledge because it's really, really valuable. So you, if I, if I take it back to the title of own your choices on your life, there was a turning point for you where you had to, you recognize that, wait a minute, the information I'm giving is not accurate. It's actually not correct. It's not helping people. And it's actually contributing to where they are in their health right now. And you decided to use your voice, even though it did put you at risk and being vulnerable for the lashback or the feedback that you would be getting. And that has led you into dealing and working primarily with women to help them to improve their health, to get pregnant, to maybe avoid IVF. Yeah. I think,
1: oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) This accurate journey. (laughs) That's my accurate journey. Yeah. And I didn't realize infertility was so huge. Like it's increasing like 1% per year since 1990.
0: I've often wondered that, like what is happening that infertility mm-hmm. is increasing. And a lot of the comments you'll hear will be, "Wow, well, women are waiting till they're older to have kids. Like that is one very common one that we hear to hear infertility increasing by 1% per year since 1990. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. Wow. Really what that led me to was what has changed. You look at everything that we've done. We have new technologies. So that's new electromagnetic frequencies. We have, I don't know what you do in Canada, but in the U S like I got six vaccines as a child. Now they get 70 and we can't ignore these things. You know, we always want to sweep everything under the rug and then our food has changed. So we have genetically modified organisms that came on the scene in the 1990s. And those in animals cause infertility along with organ damage and death. But, you know, we haven't studied them in humans. And canola is a GMO crop, canola, corn, soy, cotton. And so they're everywhere, you know. And then we have glyphosate, which is an herbicide, which is sprayed heavily on GMO crops. And so all of these things affecting our cell, the cells in our body. And so the cells aren't getting the nutrition that they need to be healthy. And so we just, we have to, look at this kind of thing because people are so focused on the mechanics of getting pregnant, getting the sperm and the egg connected, which is what IVF does. But if that was the problem, IVF would work hundred percent of the time.
0: I was just going to ask that question is if that was the problem, then IVF would always be the solution.
1: Exactly. But it's not, it's there's like a 40% chance of getting pregnant with IVF. If you do three cycles (laughs) and that's not, you know, the odds are not that great. 40% and thousands of dollars dollars and pain and suffering
0: for 40% plus lots of hormones, plus lots of stress and emotional, emotional, Mm -hmm. physical stress. Wow. Wow. What other message would you love to leave with people who are listening to this, who think, wait, is this is this me? Is this affecting me? Is this like, where do I even start? We talked about, you know, knowing what feels good, what doesn't. What are some of the first steps that you do with clients when you start working with them?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I do is get rid of the vegetable oils. Number, so,
0: one. If number you're missing, one,
1: the number one thing. Yeah. So no canola, soy, corn, cottonseed, safflower, sunflower, or grapeseed oils. Those are all out.
0: Is grapeseed in the same family? Okay. Yes. I did not know that because who I have now? Oh, I I got an air fryer, which I love. And it specifically says use grapeseed. And I'm like, grapeseed. Like I okay.
1: And and so that's the other piece of advice. <laughs> If, if everyone's going crazy about it, like it's some health food, it's probably really bad for you. Grape seed oil is a very, is very high in the polyunsaturated fat. So they have those double bonds or the kick me signs. Mm-hmm. And that one especially should not be heated under any circumstance.
0: So definitely not in an air fryer
1: that is no. like taking it to like four and 500 degrees. No. And so the problem here is grape seed oil has a high smoke point. And so yeah. the, theory, I guess, is that if the higher the smoke point, the safer it is to burn, but that is not how that works. (laughs) You actually want to use beef tallow, the best thing to use really in an air fryer.
0: What's it called? Can you say it again? Beef what?
1: Beef tallow. It's like lard, but it's from beef or properly rendered lard would be fine too, or even coconut oil or, you know, but something just not (laughs) grapeseed.
0: No, it's awesome. This is awesome because it is literally on the, now I know enough to know that you can't always trust what comes on packages, right. what they tell you, because who owns what and all those things. But it was just funny. Everything has been grapeseed with it. And I was like, oh,
1: okay. I didn't know. Yeah. And everyone here has been buying up grapeseed because they've been told it's really healthy, but it's not.
0: It's amazing, right? Eh? How fast yeah. people respond to, oh, healthy? Okay. I'll go get I'll go get 10. That's what I do.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that's the first thing. No vegetable oils. Eat animal fats or the saturated plant fats, mm-hmm. like coconut red palm oil. What would be the next thing? The next thing is you want to pay attention to your salt intake and you don't want to lower it. <laughs> so you actually need more salt. There's actually a, a tribe in, I think they're in Brazil, the Yanomamo Indians. They have a very, very low salt intake. They have one live birth about every four to six years. So salt So Low salt is actually a contraceptive but everything we've been told about salt is wrong too. <laughs> so we actually need more salt. I just recommend the unprocessed sea salt, like uh, Redmond's real salt or Himalayan or Celtic, and then you can use Maine Coast kelp flake for some iodine.
0: Maine Coast kelp flakes. Maine Coast. Maine Coast. Yeah. Wow. For iodine, these I, these are so simple. Like these are simple know, little, yeah. little changes. It's interesting because I did have a registered dietitian, we were talking probably a couple of years ago and I could feel like my energy was low and I was struggling a couple of times. She's like, and we got talking about it. She's like, what's your salt intake like? And I'm like, I don't hardly have any. She goes, you need some salt. And so I, especially, I won't say every day, but a lot of days I'll put like a couple of tablets, a couple of things of the pink Himalayan salt alter my tongue. And honestly, yeah. like, it's just, it just helps my, it helps my body. even if I don't fully understand why, but I remember her saying that low salt is not always exactly what, like, it's what, it's not for everybody.
1: Yeah. And it wouldn't be for most people. So it actually helps you absorb iodine and every cell in your body has iodine and it also helps with digestion. So you'll less likely have acid reflux with more salt. It's actually really good for us. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: No wonder your college is <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, yeah. literally everything is, and I'm not criticizing. I just think it's funny because I can say, because we've, we've gone through this with a family member who um, does have Alzheimer's, but it came from vascular dementia. And I watched how many times we took her into the diabetic clinics. Sorry if this is offending anyone, but I would watch what they would advise her to eat. And I'm like, what, Normal. what, like, <laughs> just how is I mean, here's somebody who's trying to make changes with their diet, but you've got to be kidding me. Like it was just insane what we would watch. And so it's really hard for the average person who feels that they're going to an expert to get information mm-hmm. and they follow that nothing changes, nothing changes it never crosses their mind that that maybe that expert doesn't know. But the, yeah. the, it's like using our Canada's food guide, right? Like they, we've used Canada's food guide for, I don't know how many years now. They finally made the first changes to it over the last couple of years. And that thing was from the seventies and so
1: many things had changed since then. Well, and our food pyramid was actually designed as a marketing tool for the grain industry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is why grains are on the bottom and you need six to 11 servings. <laughs> mm-hmm. So nothing wow. to do with science. It's just all marketing and, and money. Wow.
0: So as you've given these three tips of where people can start, if it is somebody who is looking at improving their fertility and i think this is where they would start and then having them reach out to connect with you i'm assuming you work more closely taking a look at mm-hmm. can you just give a couple of examples of
1: what you do so i do dna testing so dna is like a blueprint that we can use to see what might be going on in the body that we need to work around or that we need extra nutrition for mm-hmm. so like we can tell if your detox pathways are functioning right if you're methylating properly if you're a good candidate for a vegan diet. So far, I have not tested anyone that is, <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: I, I might not um, get tested. I'm not vegan. I know I do not do well with red meat. Like it is actually physically, I don't do well with it. And, um, so it's just interesting. This is, sorry,
1: keep going. It can also pick up if you might have sensitivities to gluten or lactose and, and those kinds of things. So it's a really good, and you only have to do the test once in your life because your genes don't change. The good news is we can turn on and off genes. So we can turn on the genes that support baby making or health and turn off the genes that, don't. I do that. I do iodine testing, of course, because I I need to see where your levels are. And I get those up to the 90% mark because that way you have a better chance of getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and actually having a healthy baby that does not have ADHD, autism, allergies, asthma, and all those things. Mm -hmm. So iodine affects everything. And then I also do hair tissue, mineral analysis. So I can see what your Mineral status is doing. Look at toxins and things like that. And I do a NutraVal, which is a nutrition kind of a test that has other things in there too. A Dutch hormone test and regular labs with the full thyroid panel. But we have a hard time getting a full thyroid panel done in the U- U.S. because doctors don't like to do them for some weird reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can't just go with a TSH. That is meaningless. You you need your full panel to know what is happening with your thyroid. So, so a lot of people have undiagnosed thyroid issues. Wow. Wow.
0: And do you work with clients from all over?
1: Not- yes. So I work online. So yeah, it doesn't matter where you are. And then if somebody
0: wants to
1: work with you and they do these
0: tests, they take them into their own lab to get the test. Done. Um,
1: no. So I actually send them the information to get the test. So they don't have to go through their doctor because that, that way you just don't have to fight with your doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get the information I need to really help you figure out what's going on in your body and, and, what we need to do to fix it. And then you don't have the stress of having to argue and whatever with the doctor.
0: (laughs) Well, that sounds wonderful. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So did a lot of this really, like you said, COVID was a real change for you. How long have you been in your business right now? Um, So a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. And then with COVID, you just dove like even more on the online space and yeah.
1: Yeah. And especially, you know, With COVID, if you stop the vegetable oils, you're going to improve your chances of of surviving it, number one. Number two, it's not that deadly to begin with. (laughs) And number three, there are other treatments available that aren't being allowed. And so, you know, we have those kinds of issues going on. So the best thing you can do is make sure that you're metabolically healthy. And the first step is getting rid of those vegetable oils. And second step would be making sure you're getting vitamins A, D, E, and K2. Wow. Wow and neck and acetylcysteine. If you can get that, that's really good to keep your glutathione, which is the master antioxidant in the body boosted up.
0: Wow. Wow. I honestly, I feel like I just went back to school, took a science class. This is, this is awesome. This is great. Honestly, thank you so much for all of the information that you have given. And I mean, there's, there's so much there. I love your website. Get pregnant plan. Yes. I love that. I love that. So it sounds like, and just ask me, just correct me if I'm wrong. That is your primary focus. Do you also work with people who are not trying to get pregnant, but they are looking at improving their health in the areas like you just described?
1: Yes. Yeah. So what I, I don't actually treat a diagnosis. I work with the structure and function of the body. So it really doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. My method works regardless of what is going on. Well,
0: I will make sure that all of your notes are there in the show notes, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I love how, you know, you, you had that turning point where you decided that no, I can't just keep sharing something that I know isn't true and isn't helping people. Like it's, it's two things, right? If it's not helping people to continue on that path is just, that is just not the direction that you chose to go on. Right.
1: Well, and it was actually not even, not just helping, but harming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's when
0: you have to use your voice and stand up against um, bigger powers and powers who are in a space of holding onto like your, your regulations, your certifications, your all those things, that's a challenge. So have you had to go, can I ask you, have you had to go like pretty much independent?
1: Yeah. So I did have a part-time hospital job. I quit recently, but I, my boss loved me and and she let me write my own educational materials. (laughs) Wow. So I was actually able to help people in the hospital a little bit, and so, but you know, and I was really wanting to change things from the inside, but it became clear that that was not going to happen, and so the only way things are going to change is if we, the people, rise up and start demanding these changes. Quite honestly, Mm -hmm.
0: which is is super important, and that's I think Um, in this time of prevalent, and I'm going to say this prevalent prevalent fast food era. And in a space where we have watched firsthand a number of businesses that have not been able to open for a majority of the last eighteen months, but all the fast food restaurants were open. Everything yeah. was open there, and and lineups and lineups and lineups. And it's just it's really sad to me because I think I think it was one of those times where health went down and nutrition went down at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, not even giving a fighting chance. So. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. And I spent five days in the hospital last year having back surgery, which was not planned. I believe as a result of endometriosis, can't prove that. The food, honestly, it's heartbreaking. If you have not been in a situation, I hope, I don't wish on anyone, but as a person who's been gluten-free and dairy-free, likes her vegetables, I love my fish. I eat all kinds of fish and just feel really good with it. When you're sitting in that space and it's literally a muffin, jello and pop, is all I have to choose from. It's like, how, how can you possibly get stronger or better here? This is just not even an option. And I know they're doing like, this is, it's not one person that's the setup and how it's done, but it's really hard because it's definitely not a picture of health and it's not a space to get healthier.
1: No, it really isn't. And of course, all those foods are cheap. I know in America, we subsidize Canola oil and, and things like that. So, and corn and sugar and all the things that are bad for you. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. I remember hearing somebody say once, and I don't know how well this will tire if I'll be able to explain it, but that the more processed, some of those things are like, you're better off to not eat than to eat that. It takes so much physical. So I remember being in the hospital going, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not eating this. And they're like, you can't, you can't leave until you've eaten. I'm like, honestly, that's going to do more harm. I know digestively my body is going to go through hell trying to eat that post back yeah. surgery. I'm like, I'm not eating it. It's just not, it's not happening. And so there were, there were a couple of days I literally fasted. I was fine. Like I was because I couldn't do what was there. So it's just an interesting, I think that's a bit of a knowing yourself piece too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, really, you definitely have to pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? I'll have everything in the show notes, but I just want to know the best place where people can reach out, connect and follow you.
1: Uh, at the mommy maker on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Okay. And then the, the website, get Awesome.
0: Awesome. And we'll make sure that it is all there. I thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much knowledge with everyone today. Yeah, and you're um, yeah, you absolutely. And I'm so grateful our paths have crossed.
1: Me too. I'm, I'm always happy to find another Harry Potter fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>